that's a dark moment. Something has to change. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast presented by Hippo Direct. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, digital marketing due to Hippo Direct, and you can reach me at max at hippodirect.com for help using your podcast as a marketing tool. This is episode number 72, and today's guest is Chris Ward. She's a time management expert and is the amazing author of Win the Hour, Win the Day. You'll learn how to get better at managing your time, why you should not use a to-do list, and the incredibly inspiring life lessons that Chris has to share. It's literally about time. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Chris Ward, the time management expert, the amazing author of Win the Hour, Win the Day. Chris, you were early for this interview. How do you do it? How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, and I firmly believe if I'm on time, I'm late. So I, I'm a little bit of a always get there early and be prepared kind of kind of game. <laughs> if it will, if, it, if it's you versus time in a boxing match, I'll take you any day. Oh, thank but you. <laughs> this is this is really neat. Uh, we, you know, we we connected, and you. The, the more I heard about you and your backstory, I was just blown away. Uh, you are tackling something that literally everyone deals with, and I think so many people just kind of take as, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and that's kind of how it is, but you've really taken the bull by the horns there. But I I have a very important first question for you. Do you wear a watch? I don't. Oh, question. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Why is that? Um, well, I have my phone and I guess I set up my day. We'll dive into this. But like when I sit down to do my work for the day, the first thing I do is I dictate and I won't say her name. Uh, I say, Hey, you know, my phone. And then I tell her to set timers (laughs) so she doesn't go off. And I sell tell her to set timers throughout the day for all my appointments so that I can be totally into what I'm doing because even when you have a watch if you're constantly in that alert of oh my gosh yeah I've been deep into this work what time is it you're splitting your energy so I have uh, little alerts that allow me to you know indicate to move forward Mm. and I I know you're talking about she who must not be named we actually we actually had Susan Bennett the original voice of she who must not be named on the podcast previously and Mm. There's mentions of uh, the name in the episode that can sometimes trigger your phone. Yes, 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 yes. So you are the expert. You're the queen of time. That's your official title, I'm sure. And we're going to get into a lot about time management and your book and your expertise and how people can improve their, their day and their workflow in that regard. But before we get to that, let's get to the land before time, if you will. So. What were you doing? You know, what did your life look like before you zeroed in on this area of time? Because it's it's a pretty big switch and it's a pretty big change to focus on this. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question because what I really want people to understand is I'm not just somebody that came out and said, hey, I'm organized, which we'll dive into later, by the way, works against you. But, you know, oh, look, I'm all about time management and here's why. And I've got it all together. 
that's not the case. I want people to understand it was a painful, daunting journey to get here and that my experience is based on my own business. So I have a marketing agency and I was in business for about four years. And I, I just looked around one day and I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm working crazy, insane hours. And there didn't seem to be any indication that was slowing down. I always had this thing of once I get caught up, once this happens, once after the holidays, all these, there's always these, you know, indicators that it will be different. And, you know, I talk about this in the book where I almost electrocuted myself because I was in such a rush and I now, yeah, I call myself now a recovering rushaholic. So I (laughs) nearly electrocuted myself one day because I was in such a rush and I thought, that's a dark moment. Something has to change. So I started to look at productivity, like just dive into it feverishly. And I was obsessed with it. But I also had a pushback with productivity and time management because I did get a lot done in a day. And I was the go-to person for a lot of people. It just seemed to me like, well, there's just too much work. It's not that I'm not organized or I don't get a lot done. I I needed something different than what was out there because I did get a lot of stuff done and I didn't have time for heavy strategies or systems and all this stuff that you, as my clients say, by the time I put that all into my, into my work, I could have just got the work done that I was neglecting or behind on. So I really wanted something that would give a simple and easy fix because I realized that I had been subscribing to the old way of doing things. I was just working harder and harder, buying new technology, thinking that would solve my problem. I was burning out. I was repeating the cycle and it just wasn't working. So I started to make some very simple strategies that were starting to yield me relief. And I started to examine a lot of stuff. And I, one of the biggest things I realized was the most successful people in the world, when they have these teams and support systems, I thought they got those because they had arrived and had achieved their success. But in fact, those people all viewed time differently as how they got there. So that was fascinating to me as well. Mm. So I really went from working like 16 hours a day down to six or seven. And I, I couldn't believe my productivity. I couldn't believe my creativity. I couldn't believe, you know, all the things I was learning. Like, you know, it was just fascinating that I had been in my own way all that time and that you're really, when you're grinding it out, you're totally working against yourself, right? Like, yeah. so many levels, right? You're, I mean, all the best inventions of mankind have come at times of relax, relaxation, play, and creativity because your mind can't be racing and achieving the next obstacle and being creative at the same time. It doesn't work that way. So I did all that. It was really working for me. I was really feeling, you know, business should be fun. It was going really well. And the changes were all working. And luckily they did because it was a couple years after that that my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer. And so I was pulled away from the business for over two years. And when I returned to the business after his passing, my business not only had survived, but it had thrived. And when it became public to my clients, they had no idea. They were shocked. They had no idea of my absence. They had no idea what I was going through. And so they started to gently ask me, you know, how did I do it? You know, how did I execute on that level? And so I wanted to help more people enjoy their business and all that type of stuff. So I started working with them and we started getting all kinds of results and they were able to get rid of 80% of their to-do list, 100% of their guilt. They could stop doing things that they hated, that they didn't have time for. 
make more money in less time, have a bigger impact on their audience. But the biggest thing of all is they started taking real vacations for the first time. And so I took all their successes and I thought, hey, let's help more people because I do believe business should be fun. And uh, that's how the book, Win the Hour, Win the Day was born. Holy cow. So first off, I mean, you've been through one of the most difficult things that anybody could ever possibly go through. And as opposed to letting it kind of repeatedly kick you down, you know, for the rest of your life, you have come out thriving and you've, you've been able to build back up from that and somehow turn your business to the next level. So that's really an incredible thing there. And so I just want to know what, what was it about that tragic and, and, and terrible experience that allowed you to come out of there so strong and better and, and energized? Well, that's a loaded question. So I guess I didn't <laughs> Yeah, three-word answer. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know what? I, I try to be positive in all aspects of it. And my journey with John through that experience was also very positive. We decided that we, you know, we, we didn't know how it was going to turn out, even though they gave him a very grim diagnosis. We said two things are going to happen. They're going to be wrong. And we wasted two years moaning and crying about it, or they're right. And we wasted the last two years moaning and crying about it and being fearful. So even with that, you know, I planned surprise birthdays for him. I took him to a trip to England to see family he hadn't seen in a while. So there's all these other things that we did too. But I guess I feel when the news first came out, and, and this was something I was very, very uncomfortable with at first sharing, especially in, in about the book and the podcast. And it wasn't mm -hmm. because of the the uh, the emotions attached to it is because they didn't want people's to change or their sympathy right and i say that with kindness i love it when people care and they reach out to me and i i appreciate that but what i also understand is everybody has something this was my something right now so everybody has interruptions in their life everybody has things that hurt or are difficult to get through so you know i'm no different than anyone else everyone else has a story and so how you navigate through that story at the highest level of efficiency and honor the people that support and care about you and, you know, put your best game out there is what I believe, you know, what I believe is what life is about. So that was mm. it is I just thought, okay, everybody's got something. Um, let me honor him and do this the best that I can. It's such a beautiful thing that you had that outlook and you guys handled everything that way. And I think, you know, it, it goes back to what you focus on a lot now with the, with everything in the, in the time management world is that your outlook is spot on. That's really the best way to handle it is when you get tragic and tough news like that, there's no point in wasting time or making it, you know, just as, as sad or, or, or depressing as possible. If anything, that is the time where you should make the most of your time and make it do all you can do with that timing. So you've, in everything you've do, you've making the most, you've made the most of the situation, and that's just, just very inspiring. Well, thank you. Of course. The other question I had about your background, because I can't just leave it there, is <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned you almost got electrocuted. Yes, <laughs> which, yes, yes. Which I I think is the uh, first mention ever on this podcast about any type of electrocution. Okay. What were you doing that you almost got electrocuted? Okay, well, let me tell you, the electrocution was the, the point for me, but there was a few serious kitchen fires where when 
you know, your husband says to you really nicely and sits you down, specifically asks you not to burn the house down. That also is a problem, but because, <laughs> that might be a sign. <laughs> yeah. Because I would put something in the oven late at night because I'd get in late and I think, oh, I'm just going to check these two emails and blah, blah, blah. And you know, whatever. So that's a whole nother story. But um, the electrocution was one morning I got up and I was rushing to get the doors, always rushing, 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 always rushing. And I was blow drying my hair and brushing my teeth at the same time. So the water's running because why, why would I do one thing at a time when I could do two things poorly? And I looked and I had a thousand things going on my mind, like a bunch of file drawers open all the day, all the things I was going to attack in the day. And I took a step forward to the sink and I realized at the last second, I was about to put my blow dryer underneath the water, running water. And I thought, Oh, this is like, this is, you you need help. You need intervention, and <laughs> I, and I just thought, okay, this is it. Like I didn't I didn't even tell anybody about that at the time because I thought, you know, they're, they're just I'm not going to be left alone. This is it. We we have crossed to the dark side, and I thought this this can't be the way you're. You know, you can't run a life like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like lighthearted nature aside, that is a, a serious wake up call. And sounds like yes. you had several, several wake up calls. Yes. So I can, can see how this became so, so crystal clear to you of how, you know, I really need to take a look at some things. Yeah. And uh, now I'll know next time I'm blow drying my hair because I do that all the time to not run the sink water while I do it. Yes. And, and you know what, it just was a bigger lesson that, you know, your business should support your life, not consume it it should not be an interruption to your life. So that's the foundation of everything I do now is teaching people business should be fun and it should support your life, not consume it. Let's get to your focus today and time management. And, and we'll also get to your book, win the hour, win the day. So why time in general? I mean, you spoke through the backstory of why yeah. you kind of realized this stuff was important, but what what has inspired you to tackle this monster that is time that literally, you know, really dictates the day for everyone? Well, because I think if productivity is your superpower, you can literally do anything, like absolutely anything. And I think it's also the one thing that no matter how sophisticated your academia background is, you were not taught this. Like you could be at the highest level of education and you've got a bunch of professors giving you demands based on their needs. And they're not saying, hey, how are you coordinating that work with the other aspects of your courses or your home life, or are you working and all, you know, do you have family demands? They're not doing that. So no one really taught us to look at how to integrate all these aspects of your life for success. Like we, we just don't have that roadmap out there and there, there's some stuff out there, but they're just really heavy weighted infrastructures. So I think looking at your time bank account, which is your calendar, is a really powerful thing. And most people just are not using their calendar or understanding the grasp of time effectively. I know for me, for years, I just thought you go faster, you try to race time, you try to outrun it. And that is, we've clearly established does not work. <laughs> that that analogy of a bank account is spot on. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think when you, when you think of time and you compare it to a financial sense, it really helps to internalize everything. Yeah. So here's an example. I often talk to people about how they navigate through their day, right? And what's your GPS for the day? And your time bank account is everything. And so at the very least, you need to be having the things that you 
do every day on your calendar, right? We've all put external appointments on our calendar. Like it doesn't matter how much we don't like the dentist, how expensive or how much it hurts. If we have a dental appointments on the calendar, we get there. But then we don't put our work on the calendar and we don't especially put our work that we do every day. People will say to me, well, Chris, I do that every day. I don't need that on the calendar. I don't need to be reminded of that. But that's like saying, hmm, I have a car payment that comes out every month. I know it comes out, so I don't count it as an expense. That money is gone. We know that. We accept that. So on the calendar, when you're not putting stuff on your calendar that you do have to do every day and you're not counting it as work, before you even you know sit down at your desk, you are at a deficit because you might think you have eight or nine hours. And in fact, you maybe have four because you're not counting you know, the, the inventory that's already there. So that's a huge problem. And you really set yourself up to fail. Yeah. It's funny because everybody's so, you know, there, there's so much debate about how many hours a day people should be working and this and this and this, but so many of those hours are things that people often aren't really planning for, or they know that they're doing, but because they don't have it on their calendar, they think they have so much more time during the day. And that's just not the case. Absolutely. So they're trying to figure out where their time went instead of planning where it's going. Bam. And, and as we know, you are ahead of the curve. What? So let's get to sort of the basics here. If you're thinking about productivity and, and time management and you're looking to make some changes, what are some basic things that anybody can do that are crucial and can really help to organize and, and better your day from a productivity standpoint? Well, there's a number of things. So I want to make sure I at least mention two. And one is I would tell you the to-do list is just the absolute worst thing you can do for any business. To-do lists do not have increments of time. They don't have a sequence. All they are is a list of items with a percolating sort of sense of emergencies on there. So when you neglect them, the emergencies will rise to the top. They're not something that will allow you to leverage your time or hand off to somebody else. Uh, it just doesn't happen, right? And to-do list is not in any successful business, like, you know, you don't ask a FedEx driver who's taking an organ to a hospital, like you got the address, right? Do you have your list? You know, that's not how it goes, <laughs> right? So a to-do list is absolute guarantee for problems, if not failure, right? So that's a problem right there. And then people say, well, what do you do? Well, you need these things to be actionable items. They need to have a place on your calendar. You need to say, here's a plan. I mean, think about it like, if you were going on a road trip, say from New York to California, and I know I would definitely use my GPS. It would tell me what time I would get there. It would instantly tell me when I was off course. You know, you wouldn't be driving along going, hmm, should I have taken that exit two hours ago? That's the best part is it would tell you immediately when you're off course and it would tell you how long the trip is and with all the great details. If you planned and had a to-do list for that same trip, what you'd have is things like bring money, gas money, clothes, snacks. That doesn't talk about the efficiency of the trip. And so if you'd want that for a road trip, wouldn't you want that for your business? So the first thing I would tell you is you do need to be using that calendar and you've got to stop using to-do lists. Hey, yeah, that's spot on. A quick aside on GPS. This is going to sound very millennial of me, but I cannot believe that people used to go around and do trips like cross country trips, but even just trips to, you know, a state over or two without GPS in the past. I mean, it obviously happened. We got where yeah. we are today, but it is so helpful. Like I, I got, once I started using GPS fully and, and, and at my previous job, when I drove to work, 
I literally started using GPS all the time because you want to check Google Maps or ways for traffic and see what's what's quicker. So anyway, you can apply that same philosophy to your day. It's just helpful to have that extra knowledge there. So again, with the analogy, so you really you're you're the analogy expert as well here. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> so that you know, if you want another thing, the other thing I would tell you, and this is something that most people just it warps their brain when I say it, but what I would tell you is to do the creative work first. So, you know, most people dive into their emails first thing in the morning. What happens is you, first of all, have external outside forces dictating your day and think of it like a battery of your phone fully charged. What you do is you deplete the battery quicker by having, you know, a whole bunch of apps open. And that's what happens when you go into emails, you get attention deficit, you get, sorry, attention residue and uh, decision fatigue and all these things that take your brain in different directions. And you need yourself fully charged to get the best creativity and focus out of your work. So for example, I don't know if you know, but we've reached recently launched a podcast. It's called now your business. Yes. And what yes, happened, congrats on that. Thank you. So what happened with my team is once I was convinced that we should do this, I said, okay, great. Let's do it in the spring. And I had a date and my team said, uh, well, you have a speaking gig in a couple weeks, three and a half weeks. Why don't we do it then? You'll be in front of a crowd. And I'm like, huh, that sounded great on paper, but I had the marketing. I have the marketing agency. I have win the hour clients. I have a full load, right? So of course they threw it back on me and said, well, let's use, you know, like we do everything else. We'll use the strategies. Like this is how we do it. What's the problem? So you can't argue when they're using that against you and it's your book. So I said, <laughs> okay, let's try that. So one of the things I did was every morning, the first hour I made sure went to now your business. And I did my, you know, where I was freshest, where I was most creative, where I was be able to learn and implement and get those things up because, you know, I can do the stuff that I'm doing all the time or the emails later because I need my freshest zone first thing in the morning. So I did that. And I did now your business stuff every morning for an hour for three weeks. And we also had like eight guests in our launch because, you know, and they were, some of them were of significant weight as far as influence goes. So you can, I can assure you I was going around their calendar. They weren't going around mine, you know, so I do all those interviews and plus I didn't even know how to load it to iTunes and you know, all this stuff that I didn't know that I didn't know cover. Graphics. Oh, you can, you should have reached out to me. I could help you. With yeah. That. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, we, the point is we learned as we needed to, but the point is when I signed up to do it, I didn't even know what was involved. But right. I did the creative work first every morning and we did, we launched it in three and a half weeks and we were top 10 in our country and we broke records in, as far as I'm concerned in other countries. And, and it was pretty, pretty awesome. But all I did was do the <laughs> creative work first. And so you can yes. really execute at a high level if you follow some simple strategies because the old me years ago, absolutely. When I took on a new challenge like that, you'd say, okay, I'm going to work really hard and see if I can finish my work by three or four. And then I'm going to dive into that thing I really need to learn. So the idea of diving into some project that you need to learn is really important at the end of the day is just a fool's errand because first of all, you're exhausted. Things come up that interrupt it. At the end of the day moves from three to four to five to six, you know, and then you think oh, that doesn't happen. Well, I'll do double tomorrow. I I've done that. I've done that. So really, if you want to execute at a high level, when you're taking on something that's really important for you to have an impact on your audience and you want to meet a deadline, then you do the creative work first. Yeah, it's great to hear because I, 
I find too, I often feel most fresh in the morning. And even if it's a week where I've had a couple late nights in a row and I know I'm going to be really, really tired later, later in the day, I know that in the morning, you know, I get my gym workout in gym workout. I get my workout in in the morning. And after that, there's still a few hours there where you're still pretty fresh, even if you didn't get as much sleep as you usually do. So I like to, as you know, I like to schedule my podcast interviews for the morning, sometime in the morning, because I just feel in general, people are more fresh then and and more energized and and thoughtful. So I, uh, I see where it comes from. How does that apply to the day of the week? So that's kind of like if you're if you're focused on your creative stuff in the morning and kind of more thought involved stuff of the morning, regardless of the day, is there a difference when you do certain tasks on like a Monday or Tuesday versus towards the end of the week? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, what I would say too is I firmly believe in batch work, right? So what I would say for me is I deal with all my clients or coaching calls on Thursdays. And so then I know Thursdays I'm going in one direction and, you know, boom, boom, boom. It's one direction. And too many times people will say, well, you know, um, my clients, you know, have different schedules and I, so I'll do a sales call and a client call and then they're just going in a whole bunch of different directions. And, and that just doesn't work to the highest level of your efficiency. What I would say is when we talk about batch work, if you say to the first two appointments you have like, okay, yeah, we're meeting on Thursday. And then third person asks you for whatever you say, Hey, I've got a spot on Thursday. Can you do that? If you guide them more often than not, it's all going to work out for you. So that's a big thing is I would say you want to have batch work first off. And then secondly, you're right. I probably would not try to do a sales call Friday afternoon, not even just because of me, but because of the people I'm talking to, right? I just don't think they, they're at their best. Right. So I do keep those things in mind for sure. Yeah. And I have, um, I'm curious as well from the morning standpoint, as, as we're thinking about the actual time of the day and of the week here, I've seen a lot of people and there's kind of a trend and it might tie more towards you know, veterans and people with military ties. But uh, Jocko Willink comes to mind, for example. He's a retired Navy SEAL who's got a huge podcast now and close with Tim Ferriss and all those guys. Anyway, if you look at his social media pages, he literally posts every single morning at 4 a.m. or or 4.20 or 4.30, his watch, because that's when he starts his workout in the morning. And his whole thing is that he wakes up at 4 a.m. every single day literally every single day, no matter how much sleep he got, even if it only got a couple hours of sleep. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Like, do you like to wake up early or feel the need to wake up early? I do not. Well, here's the thing. Early is, is relative. So first of all, I do think I'm a morning person. I'll, and in the world I live in, people think I wake up early, meaning I tend to wake up between six and seven. I don't even have an alarm. If Ooh. something was going really crazy and I really had a good sleep in on the weekend, it might be eight. So I tend to be you know, consistent with that. But here's the other thing. I think sleep is absolutely hugely important. And I went without sleep for a couple of years in the beginning. And I look back now and it seems I lost a significant amount of my charm when I was exhausted all the time. Oh, that and, Chris, that's impossible with you. Come on. Yes. And, and I know now they show studies that you're, we know that you're emotionally volatile, you're sensitive, your react, you know, your reactions are much higher. You don't think as clearly. I mean, the brain is the brain and I would see all these studies <laughs> and stuff like that, but I thought somehow it didn't matter because I was so driven and cared so much about my business, but 
you know, you need the brain to think when you're running your own business, when you're an entrepreneur, you need that brain. And so what I would tell you is that I think a structure is hugely important. Like even when I took on that task of launching our podcast in just a couple of weeks, the number one rule I had was everything has to stay within the structures. Like I have to work out in the morning. I have to stop for lunch. You know, I have to take care of myself because I consider myself a business athlete and you cannot abuse the machine. The only machine you have, like, you know, somebody who is an Olympic athlete with skiers, I'm going to like beat their skis around, right? They're going <laughs> to take care of that. So I believe sleep is hugely important, but if you put the right things in place, you can really take care of that as one of the essential things you need to effectively run your business. So if he enjoys getting up at 4 a.m., great. That wouldn't work for me. But if things do come up where I had to learn because I was always very driven by a calendar and, and obsessed about getting stuff done. So I had to learn, like, if for some reason I don't get to bed on time, I have given myself permission. Sleep comes before working out because I would jump up and say, oh, no, I got to get my workout in. I mean, it doesn't happen very often that I miss my workout, but I've had to mm -hmm. learn that sleep comes before other things. Like, let's say I wasn't well or I, whatever, whatever reason I, I didn't get the sleep I wanted last night. I've had to learn to let go of stuff to make sure that sleep was a priority. So anyhow, I think I'm on a lecture here about sleep, but I think we minimize that as a culture. And it is, we know, we know that people go crazy without sleep. Like it's, I can't stress enough how important that is. So to me, that's a non-negotiable. Yeah. And he's a bit of an extreme example. I mean, literally like retired Navy SEAL and awarded, but I think, with sleep, it just goes back to how well you're managing your time because the better yeah. you're doing that, then there's no need to, you know, stay up late multiple nights in a row during the week if you're being on top of it during the day. So I, I, I'm with you. And yeah. And you'll get diminishing results when you start bleeding into the evening. I guarantee you. Then what happens is you think you're doing yourself a favor. I'm just going to work a little later tonight because it's really important. And then you just aren't quite as fresh in the morning. You start a little bit later and it just unravels. It does. So some people use tools for sleep. So I want to get into the topic of tools in general for time management. And that was yeah. the award-winning segue brought to you, but no, I'm just kidding. So, yeah. <laughs> so what tools do you like to use, you know, whether it's in terms of your calendar or just any sort of productivity tools you use, are there some favorites that you are like your go-to? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and what I want to preface that with is what is a tool? So a tool is something that I believe can instantly make your work more efficient. So no tool is going to fix anything. So a microphone, as I speak into it, does not make me a better speaker. It makes you hear me more clearly, louder, but it doesn't make me more articulate, you know, or we would just spend more and more on the microphones, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. So you have to remember a tool can't fix your time management problem. That's number one you have to understand. Number two, in this age of technology and shiny object syndrome, I know I fell prey a number of times of, listen, if you just buy this system and this project management and blah, 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 in three months, you're going to put information in one end, it's going to come with the other. Oh my gosh, like the world's going to be, you know, an oyster for you. It's just going to be amazing, right? And I would spend all this time learning stuff, never mind the money I paid for it. And it, I would just have wasted that time and just be so frustrated months later. So for me, and what I tell my clients and they see it instantly is a tool is something that you can use within five minutes. If you can't learn it and use it within five minutes, it's not a tool because a tool is something that leverages your time. If you have to learn how to do it, 
that's another project. That's something you're learning. That's not a tool. That's some major irony there. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, so we misuse the word tool. And the other thing I would tell you is for myself and for the most honestly successful people in the world with all kinds of financial resources, all the best tools are either free or next to free. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I use is like this, I, you know, you're not going to be in one of my coaching calls and say, okay, great. You need money for this. You need money for that. It is free. You're so next to free. You don't even remember how much you paid for it. Right. <laughs> right. So here's an example of something I do. So I might do some batch work. Like this morning I shot some videos for social media. So then what will happen is that one minute video, I will drop it in Temi, T-E-M-I. Oh yes. Love yeah. Them. Yeah. I will take Temi and then I will take the transcription, which is 10 cents a minute. So that's a not free, but next to free. So I spent 10 cents and then I have a transcription and then we just edit that a little bit and we use it as posts for social media. So I can usually get maybe three to five posts out of a one minute video because I'd use different pieces of it. And then often we'll take that and we'll just take the whole transcription, edit it a little bit, and I'll use it for a blog on LinkedIn. And we produce a blog every Thursday on LinkedIn. So for the 10 cents I spent, I repurposed my video that I shot. And I usually get a significant amount of material, maybe three to seven posts out of it and usually two articles. That's so funny you mentioned Temi because we actually, we use Temi ourselves for the transcripts for the podcast. So yeah. this is going to be like Temi-ception once that gets <laughs> released. Yeah. But um, but we've toyed with the idea, you know, in our company calls of saying, look, you know, it might be easier to create blog posts just by talking and doing the transcription than actually oh, going yes. through and typing it. And you're actually doing that. So that seems like it's been a positive experience for you. Yes. And I encourage my clients to do that as well, because what happens is when you sit down to type something out, you try to sound like your speech is different than your dialogue and you're, you're typing and you're trying to sound articulate and academic and you don't come off as natural and there's way more editing. So what I do often is I will just record myself talking on a topic. And then I will just come back after I put it in Temi and edit it. And it's much more efficient. It's much more closer to what I want to say, to who I am, because we are, we all talk very different than we write. And it's much easier to edit something than it is to create something. So if you just talk it out for a minute and then you edit it, much faster process. So yeah, we, I, I always talk to my, my coaching clients about that as well. I love that. We're going to have to start doing that. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. It's just so much easier to talk. And the more and more you get used to talking, which obviously, which obviously you're used to talking, typing just seems so much, typing and writing just seems like such an effort. And as you were saying, it's just, it takes so much energy, brain energy to think of what to type and what to type. It's just, just talk. Why not? Yeah. And we speak about 200 words per minute. A good, good typer types 50 words per minute. Oh I'm, but like, also, I'm again, like three words per yeah. 20 seconds. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, again, there's that. And plus, we're just coming from a different part of the brain where we're trying to say, and hence, and therefore, and we're not... And we know with social media, the whole thing, people want to see you talking, even if it's written, you have to, you know, make it sound like it's conversational. So why, right. how better to make it sound conversational than have a conversation? Yeah. Who that's, that should be like the goal, the mission. We all strive just not to say hence when we talk. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of the things that we've been discussing, you do cover in your book, win the hour, win the day. Uh, I just want to touch on that a little bit more. You know, so obviously this this book came to you as you realize how valuable these this 
method and the things that you were doing were for your business. What's the main thing you want people to take away when they read your book? Well, the, the biggest compliment I get all the time is people tell me that it changes their mindset, that they look at everything completely different now. And I tell people that I often compare it to fitness. I say, you know, somebody who jumps up and loses 100 pounds and changes their lifestyle didn't just realize, oh my gosh, I should eat better and exercise. Oh, I wish somebody had told me. What happens is their <laughs> mindset changed, right? So the biggest compliment I get is they're like, they come back and they go, oh, and I, and I talk about in the book, are you a successful person or a struggler? And people say, oh, it's holding on so tight that I want to be a successful person, which by the way, is nothing to do with income. You could make a very healthy income and be a struggler. And then they go, now I see it. Okay. So it really instills a change of behavior for them and they view their business really differently. So that's the biggest takeaway from the book that people keep sharing with me. So it's really just, you know, understanding that you're not racing time that I, I don't love the term time management, but that's the term that's out there. I would love to call it time empowerment and just to fully mm, understand like again. Yeah. If productivity could be your superpower, then anything in the world you want to do can be laid effectively on top of that foundation. So it's just the most important thing I think. And yet we don't talk about it hardly at all. We don't train about it. And then the systems that are out there are very labor intensive and well, we're going to do blue colors for this and all, all this heavy stuff. And it just <laughs> seems overwhelming. Right? So I just want people, I think business should be fun. Life should even be more fun. I don't think you should have to pay a heavy price for having dreams. And I think it's everything should just get easier and easier. I, I think so. I think I think anybody would agree with that. And the title, Win the Hour, Win the Day, the hour part is is intriguing because it's kind of uh, seems like such a small part of every day, but obviously is so important when you kind of extrapolate that. So it, what's the what's the hour element there and, and why is that so important that you brought it to the title of the book? Because what I used to tell people all the time, it's not what you do with your day, it's what you do with your hour. And because I would myself have a real false sense when I went into work in the morning, oh my gosh, especially Monday mornings, I would have my mighty to-do list in my hand and I would think this week's going to be different. I'm going to get so much done today. And then, you know, it would start to peter out on this hateful to-do list that I had where all of a sudden you don't realize that item number two takes 20 minutes, item number three takes two hours and you know, by the afternoon, it all unravels and you think, okay, I'll stay later. I'll come in early tomorrow. And what happens is you have this false sense of time. And, you know, so if something takes up your time, you think you still have so much day left to deal with it. So for example, a couple weeks ago, something happened to my iPhone and I had to call Apple. And so then 45 minutes later, they fixed it, but I'd really lost an hour. Now, the old me would have went into hysterical Chris mode and tried to rush the rest of the day and just make everyone around me go faster and faster because I lost time. And <laughs> yeah. I have learned that was not an effective process. So what I did was I looked at my calendar and said, okay, I lost an hour. What can I move? What can move from today to another day? What are my priorities? So then I looked at it and I saw something like, oh yeah, that would have been nice to get done today, but that can move till Friday. And then I proceeded the day calmly and was at the same level of efficiency because I had a clear idea of what my responsibilities were for that day. And when you don't break it down into our segments, you don't know when you're off the rails. 
So you, because it's not mapped out in a time, you know, in any sort of time efficiency on your calendar, you just don't even know how long things take you and you cannot improve what you don't measure. But more importantly than that is you don't know at two o'clock in the afternoon, should, should I be an item five or item 15, right? Of this silly to-do list. (laughs) So breaking your day down into hour segments really holds you accountable to that hour and it allows you to course correct. It allows you to moving forward, map your projects effectively because now you know how long this takes and all that stuff. So, and also the brain works a certain way too. The brain needs rest about every 60 to 90 minutes. So there's a whole bunch that goes into that, but this diving in enthusiastically in the morning and just trying to run as fast as you can until you peter out at night, I've done it and it's not as effective. No, I mean, who who likes petering out? I mean, maybe yeah, maybe yeah. if your name's Peter, but that's yeah, that's yeah. for another story. So you finally decide to start a podcast. Congrats, you've never been more excited. But wait a sec, you quickly find out this is way more of a time commitment than you initially thought. You're going to need someone that has you covered behind the scenes. That's where I come in. Email me at max at hippodirect.com and let's get wild. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's get to a segment on, oh, thank you, Uh, on inspiration and creativity. So think about kind of what you were talking about in the morning and how you like to do creative things in the morning. But in general, what do you do to stay creative and, and to keep your mind fresh? You know what? If you are rested, if you are taking care of yourself, and all these things, your mind will be fresh. I believe you should start work every morning, refresh and leave fresh. So if you're not just grinding it out and beating yourself up, you won't have to stay creative. It will just be there because you'll get up every morning. You're rested. You've slept. You're, I, I mean, I, when I used to start taking lunches, I had to learn how to chew slower because the old days I would be shoving food down my gullet, you know, on hold on the phone, answering emails at the same time. <laughs> thinking, oh yeah, this isn't even multitasking because you know I'm on hold. That doesn't count. Emails don't count. And of course I can chew and talk at the same time. So <laughs> you know, now to even take a break for lunch, I had to learn to chew food slower. Like that was crazy. So when you just start treating yourself with respect and kindness, it just really pushes out creativity. Like the creativity and the clarity that I had, and my clients tell me this all the time. They're like, Oh my gosh, like you, you see things in pieces instead of like this big mass. It's kind of like cards, like 52 pickup. If you threw a bunch of a deck of cards on the floor, how would you see all the numbers and the colors and clubs and spades and all that? But if you, somebody shows you one card at a time, you're like, Oh, got it, got it, got it. Right. So you don't have to put things in place to inspire creativity. If you're taking care of the infrastructure, the strategies. Yeah. I have never heard anybody talk about changing their chewing for productivity processes. Yeah. So that, that's amazing. Yeah. How about outside of work? So it's obviously very important to stay fresh and to have that balance there and make sure you get enough sleep. What do you like to do in your free time outside of work? What sort of hobbies just keep you going? Um, well, in the last year, I've sort of rediscovered bicycling. So I'm pretty passionate. I like to work out and take care of my body, my health. And uh, I really have dove into it. I really enjoy bicycling now. So that's something that getting out with nature and just clearing your head and looking at something different that really invigorates me. So I really enjoy that. 
And uh, hobbies, I don't know if this counts as a hobby, but I'm a little bit of a, like, uh, I'm, like I just, I'm obsessed about business. I love business documentaries or books or anything that's done at any level of excellence, I think comes down to the business. So it's, sometimes I'm surprised when I look at something, I'm like, I see the business aspect of this and other people are not seeing it. So I just find the machinery of business really fascinating. We'll count it. We'll count it as a hobby. Yeah. Well, business as a hobby or taking, yeah. t- viewing things through the business lens. I, I think that's smart, astute. Hence, no, I'm just kidding. So yeah. what is it? Do you have an example of that that you can share? Like something that maybe is kind of a, an everyday thing that you really thought about the, the business implications of it? Well, I have two totally different I, I, concepts. One Ooh, recently I, like I had watched. <laughs> yeah. One recently I had watched on Netflix. They had this yeah, like behind the scenes of Formula One. And I knew like hmm. nothing in the world about that whatsoever. I didn't even know. I, I cannot stress how much I didn't know about this. But <laughs> when I started watching it, what I didn't understand was like, I mean, I just have a bunch of cars going around and laps. I'm like, I don't get what they're getting. I don't get this. But when they showed the behind the scenes stuff and the fact that not only do they have to move the car, but like more computers than I've ever seen in my life telling you the air pressure of every tire and the speed and how the tires are wearing down all this craziness from Australia to like Mexico next weekend. You're like, Oh my, like, you know, that talk about infrastructure and talk about not using a to-do list. Like that's insanity. Right. And I was like, wow, like that, that is just crazy. I didn't get that. I didn't see the, the profoundness of how much, like infrastructure and work and systems and money in just moving from location to location, never mind if your car goes fast or not. Right. Oh my so God. Yeah. That's I crazy. Know. I didn't, I, I know when you watch this documentary, you're just like, it, like I have a whole new respect for that now. So there's that. And then one day I was switching channels and I, I chipped across one of these channels where they had one of these moms that had like, um, uh, five babies at once, you know, and, uh, quintuplets and, she was packing for vacation and I all of a sudden I stopped and I realized, you know, five times everything she was going for six days. So she needed 36 outfits. She needed like something like 200 diapers and she had to put them in Ziplocs and 200 and, diapers. <laughs> yeah. Because you had to do like, how many diapers a day yeah. and blah, 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 time to do the math. And then she put them in Ziplocs. She labeled the bag. And I realized, man, she could run an empire when she gets these kids off to school. Like she right. had, you know, she had to have all these things in place just to get out the door. And I realized that's a whole business. So I was fascinated by that aspect of it. So yeah, I, I always see those kind of things. Those are two completely opposite examples, yeah. but I love it. I, it's cool. It's like you're kind of what you're saying, like your mind kind of connects things from a creativity standpoint or or puts things together when you're relaxing. Like even when yeah. you're just chilling, watching something, you are find yourself thinking about the ins and outs and all the details from that perspective. So yeah. that's amazing. I'll tell you what, I will never look at diapers the same way again. And I will <laughs> never look at the uh, air pressure in uh, tire pressure in Formula One racing the same way. Again, yeah, you know, because I do that all the time. So let's get to a fan favorite segment called the wild business shout out of the week. The wild business shout out of the week. Okay. <laughs> It's, I know it's very impressive. Wild business shout out of the week. This is where we talk about a recent brand or campaign that caught your attention. And there's something, you know, speaking of Formula One who has winners, there's something about the clothing store and brand winners that caught your attention. Do you mind taking us through that? 
Yeah, they've got a commercial out right now for Christmas and it's pretty cool. I, I wish I had it memorized a little bit better, but what they're doing is they're spoofing off the fact that, you know, offline shopping. So they all the things that people sell you on online shopping and the efficiency. Winners has people going through the store picking up stuff and they'll say they'll pick something up, put it in the cart, and they'll say that we have no tech issues with the cart because you just threw the item in the cart and there's no charge for shipping because there is no shipping and they got 3D touching and they show them touching stuff. So they've got all these really neat things that are counter, you know, intuitive to sort of marketing, uh, <laughs> but they're showing off the features of like as if offline shopping was now new. So they've done right, an yeah. amazing job at the humor of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I like when company, when, when brands and, and the agencies that they're often working with are taking approach to something where they really kind of blur the lines or bend the lines in between offline and online on, on a similar note, kind of in a, in a similar vein, there was something I saw with uh, Stella and I think it was VaynerMedia behind it, but Stella where they were talking about their glass of Stella, the beer, and they were promoting it as if it was a new cell phone, a new smartphone, like, yeah, this, like yeah. your new handheld device and how, you know, it's all these different features and how it can provide hours of entertainment all in the palm of your hand, all that sort of thing. So it's the same sort of idea. But I think when when brands are able to to make connections that way, it, it just bodes really well because it also shows that they have a sense of humor and they're not taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was, it, you know, and some might want to be fearful and say, well, you know, winners, you can also buy stuff online as well. What if they think we don't have online? Like it'd be so easy to come from a fear-based position saying, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to look old school. We don't have online, but we do have online. Right. So I really appreciate their confidence in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. So I'm glad, I'm glad it stood out to you. So only a couple quick segments here to wrap up. So let's get to a segment called the unusual. So pet peeves, quirks, and weird talents. We're going to get weird. We're going to get unusual. So what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, I try to be really positive, but I will say my pet peeve is people having public conversations. Like even in your own home, if somebody gets a cell call, like, you know, somebody calls you on your cell phone, then step outside, right? So mm, I, yeah, yeah. you know, just public communication you're standing behind me in the grocery store having a full-on conversation and then she said did you see her dress and you're like oh my gosh right it's not like you can't wait two minutes <laughs> well but then so you want to see her dress too i mean it's yeah. <laughs> then they've looped I'm you into big, it <laughs> yeah i'm a big person of you know what the cashier gets my full attention and you're out you're there for a reason interact with other human beings so i i think when you're surrounded by people give them attention right yeah, yeah. stay focused how about yeah. quirks how about is there something about your personality that and I'm not going to let you say all the productivity and, and, and time management expertise okay. in a different vein. Is there something about your personality that somebody's called you out on before that's a, is a little bit quirky, but it's who you are. It's, you know, you're like, you're, you're not going to change. You take pride in it. Just a, a little quirky. A little quirky. Oh, let me think. I'm pretty boring in my what? family. Yeah. <laughs> hold, hold, hold yeah. Uh, okay. I'm just going to edit out that answer. No, <laughs> I'm just going to. No, in my family, like I've got a sister who every day when she went to school, if you didn't have breakfast with her and she was missing, you wouldn't know what color her hair was. Right. So somebody had <laughs> like, did you have breakfast with her? So I was always a straight lace, boring person. Um, I guess I'd need a better definition of what quirky is like something that I do or like a habit I have. So, so I'll give you some examples. So some people well, it's almost like, and, and I have a lot of these, but it's almost like 
OCD type things that comes up a lot, like things you kind of like always do about your personality or about your routine. So for me, for example, like, and I get this from my dad and and my grandpa, Fred, we, uh, we, we joke that, you know, as this, as my dad was experiencing more of this and I, now I'm like full blown, we call it emerging Fred syndrome because what it is, is like, even if we're at somebody else's place or at a restaurant or something, if like a painting is a little uneven or if like somebody's like cupboard doors open or closets open, something like that, we like have this urge to close it or fix it or straight. Like it's, it's like this little kind of, I don't know if it's technically OCD, but it's like OCD type things that, so anyway, yeah, I think recently I was concerned I might have to go into rehab for Lysol wipes, but I just really <laughs> like when you clean with them and you can see the dirt. Yeah. So I've had to sort of slow down on like, okay, you got to get a grip. And it's, I don't, you know, I know not to clean other people's houses. That's fine. But I do think I'm <laughs> I borderline. I have some borderline healthy mental health issues with the fact of like, oh, I can dust that and I can dust that. So that's been my most recent obsession. I oh, would say. okay. Well, that's yeah. a good habit to have because you're just yeah. making everything cleaner. So, so that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsored by Lysol. How about yeah. weird talents? Is there something that you're really, really good at, but it doesn't really have an impact on your business? So like, maybe it could be like, you're really good at memorizing something, or maybe you're just like, I, I have a bizarre memory. My husband used to say that I remembered every day of my life since the day I was born. I have a f- like ridiculously phenomenal memory. Like I can remember things I dreamt about in kindergarten or a color of a shirt you were wearing the first day I met you like in grade four. Really? Like, so I, I, I have a very accurate memory. Like people from far and wide, well, if they're having a discussion over something, we'll, we'll call Chris. And I'll be like, no, that was a Tuesday because remember it was raining and the flights were canceled and we had this for lunch. <laughs> so yeah, I have a bizarre memory. Wow. Yes, so you, which- I mean, there's people that, that have that that have been like showcased on the news and talk shows and everything. Do you have it like down to specific dates? Like if I name a date? No. Can you- Oh, okay. No, so it's I can not remember that, the, but it's different. No, I can remember the details of the event, but I don't remember days and numbers. Like, you know, I can tell you it was a Thursday, but I don't remember that. I'm not like to be studied, but I do have a bizarre memory, which people have pointed out that is not helpful if we're having a discussion because I am right um, when it comes to the <laughs> details. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I just remember anything I've experienced. If I was there, I remember all the details about it. Yeah. Cool. So I'm, I'm, excited to reconnect in the future and for you yeah. to detail everything that went on today, the day of recording. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So only a little bit of time wrap up. Let's wrap up with a little bit of rapid fire Q and a, you ready for it? Okay. I think so. All right. So you are really, really good at time management, but I find it fascinating that you don't wear a watch and you don't use an alarm clock. So yeah. what is your favorite type of clock? favorite type of clock um i guess i just set alarms i don't have clocks really there's no clocks here yeah i just said so you just use your phone even yeah like i'll just say you know what time is it or whatever but and i just set timers for when i'm going to do something so i really don't have a lot of i don't i don't find that soothing when you go into somebody's house and think it's designed and they got that big mother of a clock i find that very stressful (laughs) so so that's not me i don't have clocks hanging on the walls yeah Gotcha. Okay. You're not like yeah. a, a time traveler or anything. No. How about what is the hardest you've ever laughed? Hardest I've ever laughed. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Do you want the story? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, if, okay. if we if we go longer, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on you though, so you, you can't okay. kick me off. <laughs> um, the hardest I ever laughed was one time my husband was making tacos. He put them on his plate and he put four on my plate, and he was very methodical. Like he was dressing his, put the cheese, put the cheese, and then put the meat. And he was doing this whole process. I don't have time for that. When you put food on my plate, I want to eat. So I made one taco removed the other three from my plate and ate the taco. And he looked up when he finished this ridiculous exercise of dressing four at one time. And he screamed at me because he said, you're going to make yourself sick because he thought I ate all four, but I'd only eaten the one because I don't have time to dress all four and then start eating. Right. So he <laughs> thought I had consumed four completely dressed tacos in the amount of, like in another minute or two. And I was laughing so hard. I couldn't tell him that I hadn't, they were just off my plate. Like while I ate. Right. So I don't know if that story, <laughs> articulates well when I'm trying to describe it, but no, I thought that, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Now I'm like hardcore craving tacos because I yeah, yeah, I, I would yeah. have been the person that like actually did eat four in a minute. So yeah, like I like to eat, but I couldn't dress them all and eat four in the amount of time that he did that. So yes, I am known for when you, when it's time to eat, let's eat. But that was a bit of extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Tacos every day as far as I'm concerned. And then if you had a you know you had a big fight a big brawl in an alley with somebody and you could only bring one sidekick you could bring one superhero along with you what superhero would you bring to to your fight in the alley which i'm sure is a very true story um well that's funny because i was actually raised in, in martial arts and taekwondo so when you said sidekick Bam. i thought you had to pick a kick <laughs> yeah. oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> pick so a kick pick a clock my, you know yeah so i grew up in martial arts so i guess you know i guess you know i'm i like to be positive and passive about stuff i'd get superman just let's fly out of here we don't need conflict we don't need drama yeah yeah, yeah. faster than a speeding bullet yeah well, there you go <laughs> well chris i know you got to run thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your time wisdom and your stories about tacos and everything all your brilliance and your amazing book so thank you so much for coming on where is the best place for people to find your book and also to connect with you yeah so you can check us out at win the hour win the day um you can reach out to me on facebook or linkedin and you can also check out our podcast called now your business so those are a couple of places you can get to know me better and and definitely reach out on linkedin and send me a message or on facebook and say you heard me on this phenomenal show and i'd like to know where you heard me from and what you heard so i, I would love for your listeners to reach out of course oh well thank you so much it's phenomenal now i'm crying so thank you very much and um last thing here Final thoughts, stages yours. It could be a quote, it could be music lyrics, it could be a random memory that you have from, you know, June 14th, 2000s. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Final thoughts, send us off here. I just think business should be fun. That was fun indeed. Thank you, Chris, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And thank you, wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you're craving more wild stories like this one, Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also absorb more creative marketing and business growth stories and resources at hippodirect.com slash blog and hippodirect.com slash newsletter. That newsletter is the Hippo Digest and is your place for wild marketing ideas every single week. And of course, come join the conversation on social media at the handles HippoDirect and Max Brandstetter. Until next time. Let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos!